0: They had us back the second time at the fiasco this morning. And I'm going to try to keep my part of the presentation short so when uh, I introduce Wendy over here, uh, he'll have more time to elaborate on his uh, fine life. Uh, With all the music and and my sister's uh, admonishment, a verse came to mind, and I noticed many verses, but one that I've carried with me uh, in my travels, especially with the Gideons. uh, States and in South America, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I got that itch in my heart because so many times it has been something that's been so pronounced me. So Ernie Frogel I was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, I uh, was a heathen from birth. You know, we're all sinners saved by God's grace, so don't be looking at me. forward, uh, I joined the state police in 1962, and I served with them for 34 years, and uh, I was blessed to have an occupation that I, I liked. And after I finished with the state police, I served 20 years with an organization called the International Association of Chiefs of Police, and we were doing drug training across the country. Uh, in many ways, my own conversation is uh, like a Gideon testimony. I had some business in Maryland in 1967, Uh, the uh, appointment didn't uh, come through, so I spent the evening in a motel room. It happened to be a night that Billy Graham was expounding on the Gospel of John. And I never heard verses like Jesus said to me, "Most surely, unless you're born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. John three sixteen, which many of us know and hold dear to our hearts, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. But particularly John three, seventeen and eighteen had an effect on me. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And in verse 18 it says, He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned still makes the hair stand up on the back of my neck, thinking that many people we know, including our own relatives, are condemned already. And what that condemnation means, uh, time is not allowed to go into that, but it's an eternity separated from the love of God. So in any case, uh, that struck me, and on the next day, going home on a Jersey turnpike, I decided that I needed to make a shift in my life and I accepted uh, Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and uh, have been trying to faithfully follow him for, my, for the rest of my life. I believe that the Christians have a divine commission from a sovereign God to share the gospel. I think of all the commandments and the admonishments that we see there, that is the most, uh, the one, and I believe it was uh, some of one of the songs this morning that talked about one thing that we won't be able to do, we'll have perfect praise in heaven, we'll have perfect understanding, but there'll be no lost people for us to witness to. So if you don't know what the joy is of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, you need to re-examine in your own heart. If you really believe that you're going to go to heaven, that you in fact would want other people to Never been God's will for any person to perish, but for all to come to repentance, 2 Peter 3.9. The purpose of the Gideons and all-born-again believers is to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. And just a reminder, we recognize that we it is nothing of ourselves or nothing of yourselves. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 3:6 we read, I planted the Apostle Paul, Apollo watered, but who gave the increase? God gives the increase. He's the only one that gives the increase. If you think you're given the increase, you better re-examine your own salvation. So why are we here today? Uh, For this, uh, we had to recruit looking for people like yourselves, uh, men and women uh, from the churches who wouldn't be willing to go out. And just uh, recently, the Gideons have undertaken a uh, program where we would be coming into churches teach people how to speak to other people. And because we feel so uh, necessary that those things are important. So we're looking to just uh, come and to share a little bit with you. The Gideon International, as the pastor, acknowledges, an international association of Christian men and uh, professionals. But incidentally, that's where we do get our name from, is uh, Gideon's in the Bible. Uh, uh, Taking down, remember, God only took Eventually went from thirty thousand to three hundred. Statistics tell us today that uh, many Christians do not share the love of Jesus, and so uh, we know that there is a great need uh, for that. Since the Gideons are a volunteer organization, all funds collected go to the purchase and distribution of Bibles. All expenses are paid for the Gideons themselves, including any scripture that we personally hand out. Only nine countries in the world can afford to purchase their own Bibles for distribution. 50% of all the funds that are collected in the United States go to the purchase of Bibles overseas. And a good example of that is India. India has a population of 1.4 billion people. The United States only has 334 million. So you think about the masses of people over there uh, who are dying Jesus, but the uh, Gideons uh, in India are able to distribute about 10 million copies of God's Word a year, but they can only afford to pay for $4 million. So we in the United States, that's part of our uh, job, is to collect funds so that they could reach the rest of those people over there. Before the pandemic, more than 84 million copies of God's Word were distributed each year. On a local level, the New York Gideons joined together with other Gideons from around the country to do a New York City Blitz every year. Uh, Because of the pandemic, the 2020 Blitz was canceled. Uh, Before, when we would do a Blitz in New York City, we were able to get into many nursing homes, hospitals, prisons, churches uh, would allow us to come and speak. And we would give out approximately 300,000 Bibles in a week's time in New York City. That includes college campuses and uh, high schools, wherever we could be. And our problem is we could give out more, but we don't have enough people uh, to come with us to do those things. Uh, This year, uh, we had the privilege of uh, speaking back in October when the pandemic was going uh, full force to uh, go and look for the first responders. And we had the privilege of uh, speaking to approximately 13,000 first responders to pray and give them testaments uh, because of their desires. And we are trying to do as best we can with as little as we have. Personally, yeah, this past weekend where we did have our blitz I had the opportunity to go to Rikers Island, and that was primarily to work with the corrections officers for Christ. Yes, there are Christian corrections officers, as there are correction police officers. You know, we forget those things sometimes. But we had an opportunity to do that. Uh, Sunday, I spoke in two churches. Uh, One in particular I was sharing with the, uh, the morning group was that and when you got there, they had six-foot intervals. And then when you got there, they asked you to wash your hands with the alcohol rub, then they took your temperature, they made you sign in. And, and I thought to myself, boy, this is a little overkill. But then later on in the service, the pastor ran off a string of names that were related to the people in the church. And I counted 20 people who died of COVID. So I learned a lesson, didn't I? Don't judge the book by its cover. And unless you know better, pray for them and what they do. And then uh, now we did safe houses. And I mentioned a young man I met, uh, Casey. Casey was a supervisor in one of those safe homes. But he was so happy to meet a Gideon because uh, back about 10 years ago in Nigeria, a Gideon gave him a testament and he received Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. So it goes to remind you worldwide. Uh, we distribute the word as a free gift, and the Bibles and Testaments are printed in chip. Uh, they're printed in 90, uh, 90 languages and they go out to about 190 different countries. We don't know precisely how God will choose to use his word, but we are certain that he does. We have his promises in Isaiah fifty-five, eleven: So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the things whereto I sent it. The thing that I think we all look for is a changed life. Somebody says they become a Christian and they live the same old, same old. They need to re examine their life. Uh, but there should be some changes in our life. And as a Christian police officer, I didn't have much use for anyone who did not obey the Lord. Scoot that back, <laughs> And most certainly not anybody who had been in prison, but the word of God changed my heart. You know, even as a Christian, we can have a changed heart by God's word, can't we? Because we carry prejudice with us throughout life, and uh, hopefully we're, little by little he's able to affect that. One of the Gideon ministries of is the jail and prison ministry. So now to tell you more about the prison ministry, I'd like to introduce you to a Gideon and brother David Bray. A man who at one time I loathed and avoided at all cost. But now I'm proud to call him friend and brother in Christ. Wendy, I mean David, here you go.
1: He still avoids me
0: at all costs. Praise
1: the Lord! Praise the Lord! I you to frozen chosen. Praise the Lord! God's not dead. God's book. You have one Bible, right? Amen. This is the absolute truth. Society says there's no absolute truth. Society's wrong. Society wants to tell our kids, "Oh, you're born a boy to be a girl." Sorry, that's not the way God made it. Society tries to dictate. Wickedness, but the book, the book brings purity, brings clarity. The book is the authority. Let me tell you something. We have nuclear bombs. We have this. We have that. This is the most powerful weapon created under the sun, in the universe, in the spirit realm. No matter where you go, this book has authority over the place you are. You have no choice in it. You are under a sovereign God. I laugh at a guy who was in prison with me one time. I know, I'm going to jump on your head just because it came to my head. And he was a young Christian. And we were out in the wallkill. The, the big field playing ball. And he comes over me with a baseball bat. And he says, I want you to cover my back. I said, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to go harm them three guys. dead because I can't stand being here anymore and everything else. I said, you're a Christian. Why would you do that? I'm not a Christian anymore. I started laughing. He goes, what's so funny? I said, you think you can take your life out of the hands of almighty God? What are you stupid? And then he thought about it. And he looked, he laughed, he says, When's well, church? He said, Tonight I'll see you there. He put the back down. Sometimes you need that. I wasn't always a Christian. I grew up in the Bronx. All right, he's from Brooklyn. What are you going to do? He can't be. There. Anyway. But uh, uh, in the Bronx, a um, little Italy section, and uh, I'm Italian. And on my Italian side, Growing up, I was a skinny, ugly kid with a big nose, still have the big nose, but face got fatter, so you don't see it as much. And glasses, I like the glasses, it helps, too, you know, praise God. And these kids used to come in and beat us up. We were 11, 12, they were 16, 17. We would be football or softball, and they would play with us. So one time I went home, my lip was bleeding, and my mother said, that's it, I'm telling my brother, which is my uncle. And my father says, don't tell nobody, leave it alone. And, and he looks at me, he says, you got to run when you see them. I said, that'd be run, You had this big that'd be cool. don't stand a chance. So time went by and I thought about what she could tell my uncle for. He owns the travelers, he's a school teacher, he has a bar, and restaurant, this and that. I you know, good is that going to do. But I took it upon myself to keep that in my head. And when these kids came to and wanted to pin me against the wall, I decided to tell them. I said, you hit me going to tell my uncle. And he said, who's your uncle? And I told him my uncle was. I don't mention names, but Jesus Christ, because he's the real God, Father, Father God, amen. He's the only name that counts. doesn't matter who you're with, who you Jesus, I know Jesus. I don't need to know anybody else. So when I told him my uncle was, he backed up his turned gray, he fixed my shirt. He said, why didn't you tell us who your uncle was? We would have touched you. And I'm thinking for two years, I'm catching beans. All I had to do is drop a name. What kind of parents did I have? What are you kidding me? That impressed me, and my grandparents lived across the street from me. My aunt and my uncle lived around the block. The Italians were very close, and then the whole neighborhood was Italian. Anyway, if you sneeze, somebody called on you. But anyway, I used to go to my grandfather's house and he used to do t- t- book in action, and my cousin Bobby, my cousin Bobby, I used to call him McGill he had six foot long arms. The guy used to walk like this. He weighed about 200 or He was a monster. I found out later he was a, a collector. So the, the picture. And my uncle was the accountant, and my grandfather was taking action doing a loan shock and whatever else. And I said, I want to get in with this. You have respect. You have money. I'm, I'm down with this. I got to find out. So i worked my way in. I got older. I got tougher. And as I got older and tougher, you get stupider. You know, sin multiplies. You may start with marijuana, but you're going to wind up with cocaine or heroin. Don't fool So you may start drinking, but you're going to go further. The drink is going to overtake you, young people. Don't start it. 1991, we killed an associate. It was one of us. And if you remember 1991, they were playing "Let's Make a Deal," so people get arrested all over the place, I got swept into that. And I wound up in the Bronx House of Detention, where the New Yankee Stadium is. It's not doing them any good, though. Crazy guy, Mets, you know, Mets. Anyway, so I'm on the phone with someone. They said to me, "You're know, 25 years in prison. You're gonna die." I hung up the phone, I went in the day room, watched the TV, and I was thinking to myself, okay, 25 years. I know plenty of people that 20 to 25 years. That's no problem. You keep your mouth shut, do a lot of push ups, you come home, you get a spot, you got a mate. Die. everybody died. I've even seen a few, so everybody's to die. I'm going to hell. It's like a pinball in my head, bouncing back and forth. Going to hell, going to hell. I couldn't shake it, it blotted me. So i go lock it for the night, I went into my cell, the gate closed behind me there was a Bible on my locker. I did not own a Bible at this time. And I thought, oh man, am I in the wrong cell? I'm not going to be in the wrong cell, Locking." Then I realized my clothes were there. It was my cell. So I sat down and I looked at the Bible. I said, how are they setting me up? They're telling me I'm going to hell. They put a Bible in my locker. What's next? How are they doing this? It was God setting me up. Just like he set up I went to sleep that night. I said, God, I'm talking to you. I don't know if you're real. I must be going nuts. If they see me, they're going to shoot me. If you're real, don't let me out of jail five, up to 25 years. But do you forgive murderers? I just want to know if you forgive murderers. I don't want to go to hell. Can we work this out? I went to sleep that night. It was a Saturday. Sunday morning came. My cell door opened up. There was a female officer standing in. Miss Man. I became good friends with her because later on I found out she was a again Christian. She went to my cell, the cell opens up, and she yells in my cell, it's like a 10 can, yeah, Christian services. So I sat up, I said, I'm a Catholic. She says, You could go. I said, I could go. So I went. So I went to the service. And I'm sitting in the service, and this guy gets up. And he says, But well, this guy was a cop that was having His name is William Manuel. He went there that day were the Christian prison fellowship, Chuck Colson Ministry. But he says, if you want to know. If God forgives murderers, I was a murderer. God forgave me, and he throws a beanbag right at me. I ducked down and flew over my head. I looked behind me. Nobody's there. I said, what kind of crazy church is this? They throwing stuff at each other. He so said, where am I? Then I, 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 I thought about what he said. He said, if you want to know if God forgives murderers, I was a murderer. I asked God the night before, do you forgive me? And God sent a man the next day to tell me the answer. I could go back to tears. When they said you want to receive Jesus Christ, I was up there like this. I felt the burden left. I went back to myself. I was filled with joy. I started reading this book. I didn't know how to read it. So I started reading Genesis. I thought this doesn't make any sense. Matthew, the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Well, well, three or four days went by and all of a sudden the guy comes in the day room. He says, guys, my name's Maurice Porter. I'm going to do Bible study in the day room. If you want to know about the Bible, come enjoy it. Answer yeah, so number no, twist the scars. Pretty good. Hang got people all over the place. You know, of course, and then in your criminal mind, maybe you can do with the challenge. to you judge. Know? Anyway, praise God. So, I, I, we started doing Bible study. We became friends. I got deeper into the word. and Let me tell you something. God lit a fire in my heart. Because I knew I was forgiven. I was God going to hell. I might do 25 years in prison. But I was going to go to heaven. Which is eternity. It's a lot longer. I guess you don't know numbers. So I was like, praise God. Praise God. I'm forgiven. So I began telling everybody about Jesus. If you're a cockroach in my cell, I told you about Jesus. I got to Rikers Island. Best time of my life. Three years I spent in Rikers Island seminary school. I was locked in my cell alone with God, the Father, the Spirit, and and, and Jesus talking to me through the word. They say, Chow. I said, I'm eating. Lock the door. I don't want to go. I got God's word. I can't tell you what he did for me. He set me free inside that cell, more free than I was outside, more free than most of the people walking around that don't know Jesus. I made a decision. Jesus said, "Go ye therefore into all the earth and preach to all people, not just white people, black people, but all people, all languages." The Gideons have these little cards on the table. It's, it's a free app for your phone, the Bible in over a thousand languages. Did you know there was over a thousand languages? Well, come up, be honest, man. I have trouble with English. Come on. So don't tell me you can't read somebody. I had a Russian testament in my pocket for like almost two years, I think it was. I was in Costco when the food court was open, and there's this big Russian guy who tells us somebody that in Russian to get soda. And I asked him, I said, Are you Russian? Yeah. I said, Oh, I got something for you. And I took out that New Testament in Russian. And he said, I've been carrying this for a long time. This is for you. And he took it in his hands. And he, his eyes were like, this guy was bigger than her. He was like six and seven. And his name was Egor. And he kind of looked into that book. And he says, I've been looking for this, like this, is my language. It gives me a hug. Don't tell me God's not in control. God is sovereign. He didn't call us to be frozen, chosen. He called us to be fiery people to go out and start fires in other people's hearts. Listen, this is a great time. Pandemic, praise God. Worlds at war, praise God. You're at right. Modern technology, cashier. Help online too. Yeah, modern technology. Turn around to the person and say, what do you think of this crazy world? Let them say, oh, using are going." Jesus told us all about this. But, and then you told them about Jesus, it's very easy to start a conversation. People are hungry. They're hungry. So right in mm-hmm. i island, I left there, went upstate, and I got sentenced to 6 to 18, which I was supposed to do six years or less to get out, but Mario Cuomo lost the election, George Pataki came in, and anyone with a of violent offense is to do as much time as they can. Okay, fine. I go to my first parole board again in two years. I go to my second parole board again in two years. Now it's my 10th. I go to my third parole board. And I go in, and every time they would ask you, do you have anything to say? And of course you say, I'm sorry for what I did, and I would never do it again. But this time I say, yeah, I guess to to the same. I say, you're in the position you're in because God put you there. You have authority over so many lives because God gave you that authority. I say that I love you and I am praying for you. Study up before I go home. I said, But if you don't have Jesus Christ, if you have not received the King of Kings, if you are going to die and go to hell. All the authority in the world is not going to save you from that without Jesus. And they're sitting there looking at me with their mouths open. And the stenographer, she stopped typing, and was thinking, And I want the other types. because I want on the record. I'm going to get a copy, man. Praise the Lord. Amen. It's yes, did. But I did. She really did was. So I got up to leave and I got to the door and opened the door and I turned and there's the three commissioners and other people and they're all looking at me like. And I'm like, oh, I don't anything that did anything bad. So I went the next day and the sergeant comes over, David Bray, 9303, yes, sergeant, pack your stuff, you're going home. Oh, you got the wrong guy. He said, no, no, David Bray, 9303, yes, sergeant, you're going home, man, you made the board. I oh, you got the wrong guy. He says, let me go check it. Because that has happened before they released the phone bill. So he went and he called. He came back furious because apparently the security pulled him out. I said, pack yourself. You're out of here. And I was frantic, man. I was frantic. Because my books are coming to the prison. And I'm not going to be here to get them. And, and, and then they're going to get lost. And I'm like, I can't get... So I called my mother, mom. Mom. Do going be frantic. i to call CBD right away. Tell them to send the books to the house. Do not send them to Mid-Arange. All right, what's going on? I'm coming home. Just call them now. Boom, mom. Mom, mom. she the phone. Okay, praise God. She called she called CPD and I got my books, praise the Lord. But let me tell you something. I became a chaplain, a volunteer state chaplain, and I have a gold shield. And I have pitches with me with George Padaki. And I'm looking at him, saying, if you only do, you cost me four this years, and I have a pocket knife if you only knew. But in prayer, he's a believer. His wife Libby, had a good ten-minute conversation with her. She reads the Bible every day and every night and prays. So sometimes things might not work out the way we want to, but God's got a reason. Getting back to that cell, when I was there with that Bible, I was looking at that Bible and it said the Holy Bible and the Gideon underneath, and I was like, What is a Gideon? What is this Bible? And I started. I've opened it up and they have help, so they said, forgiveness. And I opened it up with Jesus and said, oh man, I sin will be forgiven, men except for blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. So I sat there and I thought to myself, I can make a place for me, I can make a place for me. I started thinking, and I'm thinking back. And after about 20 minutes, I realized, I don't even know what it means, so how can I commit it? So if I didn't know what it meant, I couldn't commit it. Amen? So I was the look, I could be forgiven. And needless to say how many things I found out, I'm changing it up a little bit from this morning, As the Lord leads. But I was in Walk Hill Correctional Facility. And I'm, listen, I'm free. God has set me free. Ten years for, God has set me free with one mission. One mission, lead others to Jesus Christ. That's my one mission. So I'm walking by segregation where the the bad guys are. They're locked up in in a cell. And and there's an officer there. Officer C, I got to call him. He's got long hair. He's scrabbling. The uniform's messed up. He has motorcycle boots and he dipped and dabs, you can tell. And he sees me, he goes, Hey great, where are you going? I said, Going upstairs. You got time to talk? I said, I got time, I'm officially time, you know. He says, Come on in, I want to talk to you. I stayed with him his old eight hours. At the end of the eight hours he put his hands up and received Jesus Christ. I went back to my cell not thinking nothing of it. Just another praise the Lord. Who else you got, Lord? Show me. Two weeks went by, I'm going through the mess hall, I got a slap on my back, I'm like, Oh man, what did I do? Did I throw the food in the whole bucket or something? I'm in trouble. I turned around and there's this guy with short military haircut, uniform, crisp, shiny boots. I look, "Yo, see what's up?" He gives me a big hug in the mess hall. Oh man, don't lock me in the mess hall. And there's this lieutenant. He's looking at us like, "Oh, what's going on with these two? No, no, no. He puts his arm around me, walks me out of the mess hall. I got to talk to you. I said, "What's up, see? He says, "That night that I received Christ, I was going home to kill myself." To intervene in people's lives through you. He wants to use you. And it ain't you, it ain't me. It's it's Jesus working through us. It's the Holy Spirit. Lastly, I'll close. I became a Gideon. I was a chaplain in this nursing home, and I pulled up one day, and there's these nicely dressed men and women coming out with hand trucks and boxes, and I looked at him and I said, Oh So I get out and I say, "How can I help you?" And they're like, we're from the Gideons International. and I'm like, "You're a Gideon? Is this what you look like?" And, and the guy half offended, stepped back, and said, "Yeah." And then I told him my story. So he said to me, "Would you come tonight to the Marriott to a dinner? I'd like for you to tell a few other brothers that story." I told him, yeah, "I'm not too sure." Okay, I went there. There was 600 people. I thought the Italians were bad. They were... Next thing I know, they're flying. When you go to Alabama, would you come to have a seat? It's me. Would you go to California? I don't like to fly. If God wanted me to fly, it'd give me wings on my back. So they got me. You could ask my wife. She said, over oh, it I went the first time to fly her and he do hotel tell Randy Crow. And I saw that plane and it didn't look safe. You know? So I turned around and went back home. And I called up and say, Randy, I'm driving down and I He said, Are you crazy? It's 10 hours. Go back to the airport. We got a jet there. you got to get on a jet. So I go there and have a little 35 seat jet. Flying me and control it, it was the most beautiful thing I've ever been in my life. And God removed that fear. So if you have a fear of speaking to people, if you have a fear of anything, God will remove it. But listen to me. If you are a Christian, you cannot stay quiet. If the church continues to stay quiet, all of our rights will be lost. We won't be able to assemble like this. You won't be able to go out and say, Hey, Jesus loves you. Why arrest that person? They Jesus. But if we stand up now, I believe we still have time. We can have revival to the Holy Spirit. If we get up and we start preaching God's word, and start talking about the blood. That blood fell into the earth. And they're finding out it's amazing how science confirms all this DNA stuff. Well, the DNA of God is standing ground to the earth, reaching out to anyone who will call upon it. Please come and see us at the Gideon table. We need people to help. And getting old, you see her, he's eighty three. Eighty four? Eighty five. Ah, Oh, you want? No, you're gonna try to get that number. God bless you,
0: thank you, amen.